Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome, marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the decisions, drama, and politics that go with one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite, whoever is running marketing. I'm Mike Linton, the former Chief Marketing Officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here with my guest, Jeff Sieverts. Jeff was the Chief Marketing Officer of Ulta, Best Buy Europe, and FTD, as well as the General Manager of Geek Squad. He is a co-founder of RISC, the center at the University of Chicago with his partner, Steve Levitt of Freakonomics fame. Jeff has also authored the Deadly Memos books. And full disclosure, Jeff and I worked together at Best Buy and have stayed in contact to talk about marketing stuff for the last 15 years. Welcome, Jeff. It's great to be here, Mike. Uh, again, thank you very much. And you look so official in the studio now. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm impressed. Thank you. I feel I feel super extra important here that I'm at the Adcom Studios in Cleveland. Um, so today's topic is Jeff. Jeff wrote an article uh, about the CMO species moving towards extinction, and we're going to talk about it, that extinction because the CMO job is obviously the fastest churning job in the executive suite. And Jeff, you wrote an article about this saying, "Gosh." I believe you called CMOs something like houseflies, and you said no one will miss them. And your thesis was that, gosh, you, you used General Motors as an example, but there's so many burdens on the CMO that they're doomed. Um, and as a five-time former CMO, I found this whole thing very troubling, especially since we know each other. And so tell us, what were you thinking when you wrote this article? Well, uh, you're right. I did refer to CMOs as the house flies of the C-suite, and I did so because uh, CMOs are always buzzing around incessantly, uh, irritating people, and then they suddenly drop dead. Um, you know, not not literally dead, but metaphorically dead. You know, I, I think you might have said in the lead-in that uh, that they are the fastest turning role in the in the C-suite, and I think it's a little more than two years. It depends on who you ask, but it's right. an obscenely short amount of time. So either every CMO who's being hired is an idiot, or there's something structural that's wrong with the role and the way it's being set up. So, so I hope that, that's the theme you and I are both, we're both CMOs, the idiot, the idiot theory isn't holding a lot of water. Well, yeah, if we're only looking at this sample of two, we'd probably support the idiot <laughs> hypothesis pretty well, but. But I think, uh, you know, I, to me, to me, it comes down to a couple of things. One is unrealistic expectations and then how the role has changed. So I had that little story about Mary Barra and GM in the uh, in the piece. It was fictional. I don't know, Mary. I've never worked at General Motors. I was just but having tell us, fun. Tell with us it. about it. Tell us about it. Yeah. That's so, a great example. So I so, you know, what what. What created the idea or the, for the story in my head was her announcement that she had just placed a new CMO at General Motors. And uh, I, I tried to imagine what was going on in Mary Barra's mind, not what she put in the official announcement, which was, oh, you know, the CMO is going to is going to do these wonderful things. But what she was actually thinking in her mind. And so, uh, you know, the little the little tale I spun was her thinking about 
400 months of uh, consecutive sales uh, failures at, at Cadillac. Um, but man, if we just had a little snappy advertising, maybe we could turn this around. You know, maybe maybe we had some advertising like those guys at Lexus do. With, they put a big bow on the car and they, you know, they tell you you should give it to your spouse for for Christmas. You know, something really snappy like that would really turn this thing around, which of course is absurd, right? Cadillac has had 400 months of sales declines because of past sins. You know, the cars they've built and the reputation they've built over time. They actually build great cars now, but they have that hangover with their brand equity that has to be resolved. And it can only be resolved through building good cars for a long enough time that you rebuild that trust. So it's a it's a setup, you know, the 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 setup that so many CMOs walk into, especially when they're recruited into the job from the outside, is as the savior on the white horse who's somehow going to turn this thing around um, when typically what's ailing the company is deeply structural you know they have a deep problem with their proposition they're they're uncompetitive in the market but the cmo position mike you know this because you've probably been asked uh to to take many of these jobs and you probably turn most of them down the cmo is the one hail mary position on the on the on the uh on the c-suite right it's the one where you think man maybe maybe this person could turn it around if they came up with the next Wendy's, uh, you know, where's the beef campaign the beef? or something? Yeah, yeah. But yeah they can really. And this is such an important point, I think, which is the uh, the belief that you can fix the problem by talking about it differently. Yeah. And but but if you're a, a CMO and you're interviewing for like, how do you even think about this, Jeff? Like, because you you you're going to be recruited in, and people are going to say, "Gosh, we, you know." We love our brand. Our brand has been around for 400, however many months you talked about it. And it's got a lot of heritage. All we need to do is wrap it differently and people will buy it. Mm -hmm. Talk about how you see that coming in and then how you think about it when, when you get there. And then you also mentioned other factors affecting the CMO. So, so let's talk about that and then okay. move to those other two topics. Yeah, I mean, it, Mike, I think it's especially hard because uh, when you're being recruited, it's incredibly flattering. Yeah, that the company would want you to come in and solve this problem. They have the confidence that you can figure out something that other people haven't been able to figure out before. And I'm, I'm as a human being, susceptible to that. I think we all are, and we all want to believe that we can do it. And, and indeed, we can always find some rare case where somebody did do it. But I think. You know, in, in this world especially, it's not that hard to get the straight scoop on where a brand is and and how strong its proposition is in the market. You only got to spend a couple hours in the internet um, and 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 uh, with a relatively clear eye, and you can figure out where a brand stands. And you can be, you know, if you're honest with yourself, a pretty good assessor of what the risks are coming into the job. I think it's also key to look at the financials, the financial, the real financials of the company, because a lot of times if the company is not actually looking at why the financials are like they are, they will think the marketing will fix the financials. And a lot of yeah. times the, the sales loss is being driven by the fact that the product has been surpassed in the market by comp competition. Yeah, and, and organizations have this uh, this amazing ability to um, delude themselves. 
right? So to 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 have uh, annual uh, strategy session after strategy session talking about the tactics and making sure the five-year plan on the spreadsheet ties out uh, and fiddling with the assumptions until you get it to do so, but not actually directly confronting the strategic issue at hand. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. I've seen, I'm sure you've seen it at least as many times where, and, and that's, you know, at least when you're coming in as an outsider, you've got a chance to see that if, if you let yourself versus the people who, who've been immersed in that, that kind of um, mass delusion for, for many years about what's going on with this business. Um, you know, you, you, they, they, they have much less of a chance, I think, of seeing it. I, look, I think it's super important when you come in, even if you're recruited in one of these jobs, it's the challenge of the belief immediately if you think the belief is wrong. Yeah. So if I'm coming in yeah. and I think the company is not seeing the real problem, if if I am putting everything on the, yeah, as a marketer, I'm going to fix this versus we have a fundamental consumer problem, which I think is one of your 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 other points. Um, if you don't if you don't put that up in the beginning, you're letting the belief exist, and you're also putting all the pressure on you yeah. to overcome what is marketplace data. You talked about expectations, and and I think you also in the article talked about a couple other things. You you want to talk about those? Yeah, I think you know, Mike. We've seen a lot of change. I mean, I, I talk about what it was like in the Mad Men era. And I, I think I came in just at the very tail end of the Mad Men era. You know, maybe you were there right with Don Draper. Uh, You're drinking killing martinis. me, Jeff. I don't You're know. killing me. I liked you I, on the show the first time, not so much this time. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe maybe you were, uh, you know, maybe you were an apprentice or something at the time. But, uh, yeah, the job was so different then. And I think it was so much more doable. Because really, I think, you just had to be a good strategist. And, you know, you, you, you depended on your agency for creative. The expectations of you and everyone around you for creative was reasonable. And so if you had a good agency and a good enduring relationship with that agency, you know, you remember these meetings, Mike, you sit down, you get your three, your, your three concepts presented to you. You're like, uh, you know, you give a couple of unhelpful comments. Um, and you you pick one of them and you say, hey, hey, why don't we all retire uh, to a steak dinner? I'm buying the martinis. And, I do not uh, the remember strawberry. these meetings. I do not remember these meetings. But go on with your point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> martinis, strawberry cheesecake, medium rare steak. That's that's what that's what the job was about, right? But but I you know I, I'm trying to I, I'm obviously you know being facetious here. I mean it was still a hard job. You still had to set the strategy for the company and the, in the proposition the market, you had to figure out how we're gonna differentiate ourselves and how we're gonna sustain that differentiation. That's really hard. But now, ladled on top of that, you're supposed to have the creativity of Lady Gaga and you're supposed to have the, you know, the analytical prowess of a Steve Levitt or a Nate Silver. You know, that's how the job has changed, right? Like, like there's a much higher expectation, I think that the CMO, themselves are going to be this fountain of creativity that they'll have a whole fleet of agencies that are going to bring in the craziest most wonderful ideas imaginable but and that all might be doable but now you've ladled on top of that this quantitative part that you're going to be able to understand 
this multivariate regression that determines the marginal sensitivity of this advertising to an additional dollar of spend. You know, most marketers fake at least one of those, maybe two of those three core responsibilities now. Not because there's anything wrong with them, but just because that's the way human beings are wired. We don't have many people on this planet who are both extremely quantitatively gifted and creatively gifted and strategic. It's just a, it's just an extraordinarily rare combination of qualities. And I can't think of another C-suite position that has anywhere near that kind of range. I, I guess you could say the CEO yeah. uh, has to have tremendous range, but, but, but on the, on the rest of the functional positions, I can't think of, of anyone who comes close. To, to requiring that kind of range. And, and that's so, so you've got these insanely high expectations that are very difficult to meet in this new world where information is very transparent and brands aren't as powerful as they used to be and advertising isn't as strong as it used to be. And then you've got this job that's changed to require this breadth, this range that so few people are ever going to have. So that's why the last 20, that 24 months. There you go. So, um, so I'm in this role now. Say you're a CMO in this role now. What should you be doing to do your best, given what you've said is a mountain that you have to climb as you know the CMO? G give give our listeners some advice. Well, I think I would start with this <clears throat> recognition that there are these three dimensions to the job now: the strategy, the creative, and the analytics. And admitting to yourself, you probably don't have the range to cover all three. So figuring out where you're light and hiring the best possible team on those fronts to make sure that you're not only objectively good in those spaces, but you're relatively immune to criticism that you're weak, right? So yeah. we talked about this in the last episode. You hire, I'd always hire the strongest analytical team I could afford even though I'm I'm pretty good at the analytics, I'm I'm not so good at the other parts, but I'm pretty good at the analytics. But um, you still need kind of like the good housekeeping seal of approval. You, you need you need that kind of third party validation for the rest of the C-suite to believe you that on the performance side of things, you're doing a halfway decent job. So you know, and, and that's just good general management advice, of course, making sure you have a strong team, but. You're solving for three very distinct problems there. Have I got the strategy? Have I got the creative? Have yeah. I got you know the performance uh, analysis? So there's also so that's actually managing the work. There's another. Th then there's managing the expectations. So I, I'm I'm interviewing for a CMO job. I can see all these the three points you laid out. I can also see like the General Motors example or some other examples we could go into where I know the product or the service has an issue. How do I set the expectations correctly on my way in when I'm interviewing for the job and then when I take it? I'm a, I'm a little skeptical that you can, honestly, Mike. I, I think instead I would frame it as how do you figure out if you've got a chance to win in this particular uh, job that's being offered to you? And in and and I would qualify that, or I would I would assess that in the following way. I would say, first of all, is the CMO or is the CEO picking me? 
Yeah. Which if I'm being recruited, they are. Uh, if they are, then they're going to have confidence in me, right? So if they've chosen me, that we're going to get off to a good start. And then secondly, how secure is the CEO's position? Uh, is the CEO, does the CEO have the confidence of the board? Is the C, it, it, does the CEO have a long runway in this position, provided they don't get poached? Or are they flailing? And this CMO position is their their cure for that. In which case you're probably going to be here. Yes. In which case you're going to be probably. Yeah. Who's who's going to get sacrificed at the altar there? Right. It's going to be it's going to be you, the CMO. So so the board's putting a lot of pressure on the CEO. The business is flailing. Nobody knows where to take this brand. Oh, I know. I'll hire Mike Linton and he'll solve it. Uh, You know, that's the kind of setup I think too many CMOs fall for and end up getting you know their their ticket punch to a short 15 months later i i do think there's two things i'd add to that on the on the way in on that and the interviewing process is make sure you keep all your decision rights clear that you're gonna you're gonna be in charge of this because especially if you're coming into a hot situation if you don't have the decision rights that's super tough and two in the interview process i always try and set a timeline for when you might see results mm-hmm. Um, because the expectation sometimes is that you're going to see results almost immediately and you're rarely going to get that and you're never going to get that strategically immediately. So, so I think, I think that, that is super important. Um, well, similar to that, Mike, I once had a, uh, I, I came into a role and pretty quickly figured out that the CEO wanted me to, to fire the agency. He didn't like the agency. And I didn't want to, yeah, because I I've felt never like, fired an agency when I've come in ever. I no, mean, it was, I no. think it's a super wrong you, signal. Yeah, you, know, you, you know, the the reason why not to, Mike, I, I'm sure you're thinking the same way. Is it it feeds the myth? It, it feeds the myth that if we just had better advertising, this would all be taken care of. Well, one, it uh, feeds the myth, and two, it's going to take a year to get it out. Yeah, and then no, you're it's right. going to take longer to work. So you're actually not only are you feeding the myth, but you're setting yourself up to be crushed. I think so. I've never, I've I never agree. done that. Okay, sorry. No, back I, to your I'm story. You. How'd you manage that? Well, I, I actually, I actually talked the CEO out of it eventually, and 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 uh, I think I, I'm trying to recall this. I think I used the argument you just used, Mike which is, listen, an RFP is going to take X many months, and then we're going to bring on a new agency, and then they're going to take three to six months to come up to speed, and then it's another three months for creative. <clears throat> we're looking at nine to 12 months before anything new is in the market. Why don't I try to make this relationship work? I think I can get better work out of them through a clearer strategic direction. And and I, I um, so that I did eventually convince him to, to hold off and and we we uh as long as i was there we kept that agency nice so you've talked a lot about boards and ceos any other examples or advice you'd want to share with our listeners on this free question yeah um i think you know i think you have to be very wary of the love affair that CEOs and boards sometimes have with the latest digital tactics. 
I was at a I would I was at a board meeting once making my presentation, and uh, this was way back in uh, this is when uh, Trump was first elected, so it was late 2015, early 2016, and I'm I'm talking about what we're doing in marketing, and uh, the chairman interrupts me and says, you know you know who you should talk to. You should talk to Trump's communications director <laughs> because I I saw this. Uh, episode on 60 minutes <laughs> and they they convinced me that it was his digital marketing that won him that election and i said well okay that's interesting i i i'm always i'm always willing to listen to new ideas so let me go check that that 60 minutes episode out and so i, I was able to pull it up and here's leslie stall <clears throat> interviewing this guy she, you know, her eyes are wide open. Her mouth is agape because he's telling her, listen, I could I can through Facebook. I can target people with specific demographics. Like if I want to talk to men in C&D counties, I can do it and get this, Mike. This is the really mind blowing part. I can show two different people, two sets of creative. <laughs> Which has been going then, on forever. So, and then uh, I and then yeah. through A B testing, I can pick the red one instead of the blue one because the red one does better with audiences than the blue one. And and my board, just like Leslie Stahl, was completely mind blown over this. And I I tried to patiently explain to him that we've been doing this for years. The whole commercial market, yeah, the whole the whole world was doing it for years. It, it but but they made it to politics. It finally made it to politics, and then it's new. Good then they God. think they invented it. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's uh, it, it's so funny. So so I had to, I actually had to waste hours of my time contacting the communications director for Donald Trump and talking to him, and pretending like he could teach me something about how to market things. So so I so how do you fight that? I'm not entirely sure, but I think. I think you fight it by just showing extreme awareness of and familiarity with the latest tactics, <laughs> even if you're not using them. No, I, I do I, think there is the, yeah, the, here's the, here's the things we are looking at already. And here's the things we are studying that I, I almost always try and bring into a board. So they know they don't act like, oh my God, this whole thing is so brand new. Yeah. You can actually, you know, do it and and it's you've been doing it for years um yeah. and that is but that's an art because if you let them too far in they're going to manage it for you 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 just have to give them enough that you, they know you're doing it and and then they they may back off but if you let them in the hen house on this one they're going to kill a lot yeah. of chickens no I, th I think you're right mike I, from that point on i would always do a little bit of show and tell at the board meeting, just bring some little tidbit of yeah. whiz bang kind of stuff. <clears throat> that seemed to work, but you're right. Yeah, it, it's a it's a tight roll for sure. Well, I think the the other thing for me, and and we can talk about this kind of next on the the expectations thing is marketing is always at the center where the consumer, technology, and the company meet, and it's almost impossible for the company to see all of it at once, and your ability to actually show that to the to the board and your other members of the lead team i think helps them understand you're working on it or you're thinking about it but yeah. you have to do it in a way it doesn't take a lot of time yeah um but but it, you're always at the front of the technology and the consumer and the company and when 
everybody in the company catches up to all that technology. They want to know what you're doing. Managing them is super, super important. And I, I, yeah, I like is. how you did it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, Mike, you always you always used to tell us, um, you know, back in our Best Buy days that the marketing position is is so tough because everybody has a point of view about your work. Nobody's telling the supply chain guy that he should uh, run more trucks between Boston and Cleveland, but they're quite happy to tell you that that, you know, Super Bowl <laughs> that was terrible. Yes. And uh, well, and so I think the job is. This is probably the other structural challenge of the job that I didn't write about, Mike, is that I think in that way, probably innately more political. And I mean, political in a good sense, not a not a not a politics sense, but in a sense that you have to manage so many relationships and build so much trust and, and constantly maintain it with all your potential critics. Um, you know, or you're going to be in a in a lot of trouble. And I, I is that true for all C level positions? Yes, sure, it is to to some extent. But it seems like for the marketer, it's even more important because your work is so visible, and it's uh, so easy for people to believe that they that they know how to make it better. Well, two things I would say: it's the most public of the functions by far, and two. Your most passionate consumers are not in the marketplace. They're usually in your company. And if you're not managing the strategy and those consumers in your company, they are going to give you the strategy and then they're going to fire you for it when it doesn't work. And so you, you, you have to, I think, work to stay out in front of the company uh, on all those fronts or, or you'll, get, you'll get in trouble. And I guess per your article, you'll get extinct. And, um, and because everybody kind of wants to manage marketing. Um, and that's what makes it such a fun job, but also that's what makes it such a hard job. And that's why you're comparing it to houseflies. Still yeah. hurts right here, Jeff. Houseflies. <laughs> um, anything you'd like to share with our listeners uh, as we get to the end of the show? Any practical, practical advice you want to put on the table for everybody? Um. I don't know if I have much new ground, Mike, to be honest. I, I just think I think uh, we've covered nearly all of it. You have to make sure that you've got a very um, strong relationship with the CEO. You have to have the confidence of the board. You have to uh, at least be aware of and, and conversant in, if not fluent in, the latest tactics. You have to know the analytics as well as anybody, and you have to have sort of that good housekeeping seal of approval um, from someone who is not you that says on the performance side you're doing the right things. And even all that may not be enough, but but I think if you cover those things, you, you give yourself a, a good fighting a good fighting chance. Well, thanks, Jeff. I, I agree. I think it's like being a manager of a major league sports team, which is everyone sees everything you do. And everyone has an opinion. So thank you, Jeff. And thanks to our listeners for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for any of our other shows, including Why the Short Shelf Life of CMOs, Parts 1, 2, 3, and 4. What your agency really wants to tell you, but won't. What it's like to be in a fast growth B2B startup. And Jeff's earlier show is Marketing's Obsession with Measurement Destroying the Function. Thanks again, Jeff. 
And all you marketers stay safe out there. This is Mike Linton signing off at CMO Confidential. Today's episode of CMO Confidential is brought to you by CMOcoaches.com. Are you a current or aspiring chief marketing officer looking to take your career to the next level? You should work with a CMO coach. CMO coaches are former CMOs who are nationally certified coaches. So whether you want to improve your leadership skills, develop your team, or drive better business results, we have the experience and expertise to help you succeed. To learn more, visit us at cmocoaches.com. Are you tired of the same old productivity hacks? Have you read the top 20 books on effectiveness and yet your workdays and email inbox still causing anxiety, burnout, and even depression? Ready to learn the latest in brain-based modalities, techniques, and technologies to optimize your success and well-being? Welcome to the Focus to Evolve podcast, where we'll illuminate your path to spacious productivity and balanced thriving. Each week, we dive into deeply insightful and immediately impactful methods to help you become highly effective while promoting health, profitability, and well-being. Say goodbye to the trance of busyness and hello to your highest potential. It's time to discover a new way of accelerating your mission, growth, and purpose. Join us on the Focus to Evolve podcast and get ready to live your most joyful, productive, and fulfilling life. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.